0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have those who help others create and grow their businesses. And we have, on the other side of the same coin, The do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, and many of our listeners who tune in every week are all of the above, Mm -hmm. take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing. Visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Look us up on networks like iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated helps us help more business creators just like you, be sure to subscribe because over 200 episodes will be available for your immediate download and perusal on a variety of topics relevant to you as a business creator. Speaking of things that are relevant to you as a business creator, we're going to talk about something that a lot of you guys write to me about that I hear from my coaching clients, uh, my consulting clients, and just... In general, the business creator community its about attracting qualified leads without marketing dollars. So many business creators, even the, when their business is on the upswing, still don't exactly have a lot of discretionary money out there. So they don't have money for a big marketing budget and sometimes not any marketing budget. Or they don't have discretionary cash to, quote unquote, learn the lessons and figure out how to succeed with advertising through social networks, or they may not want to deal with the suspension of reality that is often required to be successful in those networks. Many of us have horror stories, myself included. Uh, Whether or not you agree with that, uh, I think what we do agree on and what I agree with at at any rate is that if you can attract more qualified leads and do that with little or no marketing dollars going out, then you are getting a huge return on investment by the percentage and ratio numbers. For the topic of doing this, attracting qualified leads without marketing dollars, we're going to introduce to you today Robin Crane. Robin is a marketing – excuse me. I'm so excited about this topic. This is really just something that so many of you have asked for, so I'm getting a little giddy here. Please forgive me. I myself cannot wait to learn more about this. Robin Crane is a money and business growth expert. She's known for hosting the TV show, The Financial G-Spot, the radio show, Let's Talk Money, and she's a four-time, number one best-selling author. Her blueprint for financial success has been featured on ABC, The Motley Fool, and Fox Business News. Robin went from making $500 a year to making $500,000 a year in her coaching business in just two years. And shares her story to inspire other women entrepreneurs to do the same. We're going to she's got an incredible gift for us, but we're gonna save that till the very end because I want you to do something for me right now. I want you to get out a notepad. I want you to find two pens. Not one pen. The reason why you want to get two pens is because you may be writing down something that you are going to apply when you take this and run with it as soon as we finish this episode. And you don't want your pen breaking right in the middle of you writing that down. Are you having to scrounge for another pen? Or if you have a situation like I have where my cat will sometimes jump right up on my desk, put the pen in her mouth, and walk off with it. So you don't want anything ha- these happening. So if that happens, you want a second pen there. Now, that's a success tip you can use in your own marketing when you're hosting your own podcast, so bear that in mind. But for now, let's introduce Robin. Come on in. The weather's fine.
1: Hey, hey. woo Here I am. All right. So
0: what we'd like to do first is we would like to have you tell us a little bit more about your personal journey. I mean, I read off your bio. I hit some of the main points here, but let's hear a little bit more about uh, the personal journey that you took and you've taken as you've come to the point where you are now serving business creators from the intersection of your brilliance and passion in this area.
1: Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So Basically, I mean, my main business started as a financial planning business, or I became a financial advisor. That was about a decade ago. Um, but actually, before that, I was a singer songwriter, believe it or not. So, um, and you could kind of call it a business because I wasn't employed by anyone, although I did have to do, you know, my, I had to be a. a uh, I, I mean, I had another job, so I definitely did <laughs> did the miscellaneous stuff and was waiting tables and, and doing all that. But, um, but yeah, so I went from singer-songwriter to the typical transition into a financial advisor, not so much, but became a financial advisor and then really morphed that into other stuff. I'll, I'll go into that. So basically as I became a financial advisor, I mean, you can imagine, here I am coming from a singer-songwriter life, I didn't have assets. I didn't have a lot of money. I hadn't been making a uh, good income or anything. And I just started this um, job and it basically, it was a commission only job. I had no idea how to grow a business. I had no idea how to even do financial planning myself, but I got certified, you know, I got my licenses. So all of a sudden here I was, and it was kind of more like a sales position than anything else. And um, not to really downgrade it. I think it's amazing what financial advisors do. Like it's, Actually, that's why I got into it, because I found that it was really an opportunity to help people reach their goals, to be able to retire, to be able to send their kids to college, to be able to buy a house, like all these incredible things. So that's what appealed to me. Um, but I was struggling. I was struggling, you know, making, finally when I, I was a really hard worker, so I started, like, I got to a point where I was making $2,000 a month, but I was living in the Silicon Valley in California, where it barely pays the bills if you're lucky, and I had pretty low expenses because I was lucky. Um, and so I was really struggling. Um, and then I actually, um, I, I kind of fell into, like, what I'm going to talk about today. Like, I, I got lucky, and that luck was that i had an opportunity to speak i was you know being proactive looking for speaking engagements and i had a friend who um she basically she, she basically uh, had a she had a daughter in preschool and they wanted someone to come and talk about college funding and so i did that and that actually helped me get to the six figure mark so i'll go into that in, in a little bit but i you know I, I hit six figures and then i got distracted i really lost <laughs> lost my momentum I was doing more money coaching than, than financial planning, although I was doing both. And then I had that year where I made $500 in my coaching business. And so really what I'm going to talk about today with, with you know, really attracting qualified leads is going to help you, even if you don't have marketing dollars, to be able to more than double or triple your income. I mean, potentially you could do crazy things like I did from $500 a year to $500,000 on the coaching side. So so that's a little bit of right. my story, but um, I'll let you keep going so I can give you more details.
0: Well, you know, what's interesting is uh, we, believe it or not, we've introdu- we've interviewed um, a top 40 performing artist on the Business Creators Radio Show. And the actual topic of that interview is not so much a rundown of his career, but it was about the customer service and business aspects of being an independent in the music business, uh, which is a very, very very interesting industry just from some of the stories I've heard and being around some of the people who are in that. So, you know, you raise a good point of, you know, you know coming from a background of being a singer and a songwriter and, uh, you know, there's a real business there. If you want to be successful at that, you need business skills and you need, and it's kind of the same thing. You are attracting leads. There are people who download your music, uh, buy your CDs, but more importantly, show up for your concerts and, and yeah. evangelize for you. Now,
1: I have yeah, it's, one quick it's question. True. About, go ahead. I, I was going to add something to it, but go ahead. Ask your question.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, you made the transition from being a singer songwriter, being in the music business, which um, you know, for all of its pluses and minuses, one of the things that I think mm. is really cool about it is the people who are in that industry tend to experience a greater degree of freedom because they're very close to their brilliance. They're very close to their passion and they're in a business and they're in an industry where they get to really express what's in themselves and what's in their heart. Now, then you move to being a financial advisor. Now, we've had financial advisors on the mm. Business Creators Radio Show, great interviews. We've had, um, we uh, my the Business Creators Institute has had clients who are financial advisors and uh, the thing that pains me about the financial advisory industry is what happens when you actually try and market your business and how it seems you literally cannot say a word without being scrutinized by compliance. Mm. So did you personally have any transitional uh, dilemmas going from an industry where uh, there tends to be a lot more emphasis on expression of artistic freedom to one – where uh, if you don't put a comma in your tweet where somebody believes it should be belong, they'll make you pull down all your websites?
1: Yeah, that's that's a very interesting question uh, because I wasn't I didn't know where you were going with that, and that's, like, so interesting. I never really thought about it. Most people are asking me, like, oh, did you give up your passion to become a financial advisor? And I'm <laughs> like, no, actually, the reason I stopped – doing, becoming, you know, being a singer songwriter, I was singing all these cynical love songs and I was like, I was not feeling very passionate anymore. And I felt like I was actually like just, you know, entertaining audiences, but I wasn't changing lives. And that's actually the reason Uh I got into financial planning was because I thought it was an opportunity to change lives. But in regards to the expression, like that's true for sure. And I really, um, I found a way to go outside the box. And this is why, so many of my clients, I mean, I target female uh, financial advisors as my micro niche and then as kind of a broader niche right. of female entrepreneurs like that are service-based professionals. So, I mean, I work with a lot of female financial advisors and, it's, and, it, and it really stinks that they can't, you know, just say what they want to say. But at the same time, it is, at least to protect the client, at least it's for the intention. But um, I found a way to go outside the box, which is really a reason why a lot of financial advisors come to me right now. But uh, what happened was, and I was alluding to this before, is that I had this opportunity to go to a preschool and speak about college funding. Um, And I went there and I even brought what's called a wholesaler, someone to kind of talk about the products, which I thought, which is what people wanted to know. And luckily from there, I had about 40 people attend. I ended up talking to about 10 of those parents and I didn't convert all of them into clients. But at that stage, I had really learned the a sales process to get to the deep problems to understand. And because they were all in one niche, they were all parents of young kids with similar problems and and wanted similar results, I really got clear on those problems. I got really um, deep into those problems. And when I realized, like, the way to solve the problems that they have wasn't the traditional financial planning products and services. I actually created um, what's called an outside business activity, and I created a money coaching program. And that's where I started coaching and it was kind of like outside of what I did as a financial advisor, but then I became the expert. And then, of course, they wanted to invest with me because I had helped them transform their lives. So because of that, I still have stipulations. There are definitely things I couldn't say or do. And that's why eventually, actually the main reason I eventually left um, the business because I was running a, you know, kind of money coaching, financial planning. And then I started doing business coaching and that was a, a transition I can talk about. But, um, but basically I, I left because what's so important today is social proof, and people need to see that people are getting results, and that is one handcuff you cannot get out of is that you can't talk about how awesome the results are of your clients um, in the financial industry, and that was a challenge for me. So um, that's eventually why I left because I didn't have full freedom of expression, if you want to say it, but um, I do think the financial advisors who come to me uh, are excited about that there is a way to go outside the box. and There is a way to get around some of that um, and do what you want to do to provide the most value for your clients. But it, it, it does come with some challenges and that is a frustration for many of them.
0: I got a funny story here before we dive into the, um, the main gist of what we're going to talk about here today. Uh, this was told to me by somebody I know who's a financial advisor, really great guy too. And he, um, he ran into a situation Yelp, that website that we can go to rate things, uh, they, well, Yelp does sometimes is they create profiles for businesses. Like they'll go through yellow page listings and other sources of information to find where businesses are in an area. And they'll build like a starter profile, which the business owner can Mm -hmm. then become a Yelp customer and claim for themselves if they want to. Well, this uh, financial advisor, um, Yelp had put up a profile for his practice because they found it listed somewhere. And one of his customers went to Yelp, and, you know, they say, hey, look, there's my advisor. I love my advisor. Typed out a great review of their advisor on Yelp. Well, this advisor's compliance department had found out about that review, and they demanded that Yelp be taken down. Now, I'm going to say this very slowly. They meant they wanted Yelp.com taken off the air because that review had not been approved. And, and 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 it gets even worse because a couple days later, this, this pencil neck in compliance had noticed that Yelp was still up. And they said, hey, pal, do you enjoy being a financial advisor? Do you want to keep your license? Why is Yelp still up? Why have you not taken it down? Somebody had to explain it to them.
1: Yeah. That's funny <laughs> that you say that because I actually – I remember actually near where I was, when I was leaving, I don't know, I was actually selling my financial planning business and one of the guys I was considering selling it to had all these Yelp reviews and I was like, how would you get away with that? And he's like, you can't control it. You can't take it down. So they can't do anything about it. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. That is so smart. Like that's the best way to get testimonials about it being your fault. You know? So it was like really yeah. cool. So actually that's a strategy. You could probably implement, um, I don't know the, the ins and outs of how to do that, but that is really, really cool. That's like a little loophole there. So um, I like that. I like that a lot.
0: Yeah, I, the last time I, I mean, this story was told to me like five years ago. Now, the last time I checked up on it, which was about six months ago, because this is one of those things I just keep going back to once in a while just to see, you know, just to see how well it ages. As of six months ago, that uh, advisor's unclaimed Yelp profile and the review were still there. But I bet you right. if I called this guy yeah. and ask, call this guy up and asked him, I'm sure he's heard about 20 times how Yelp needs to be taken down because with every time the compliance department turns over, yet another pencil neck who's never heard of Yelp thinks that uh, the advisor did it themselves. Like, yeah, I'm a financial mm-hmm. advisor, but in my spare time, I created this huge global review site and put 5 million businesses on it. Okay.
1: Sure. right, <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, though, like, in regard, regards to compliance, and here's anything in business, and this is a great takeaway from all, for all you listeners, is that there's only so much we have in our control. And it's, as long as it's out of our control, we have no influence. There's nothing we can do to change it. And there's certain times when I talk right. to people, and the first thing they say when I say, what's your biggest challenge they, they give me a challenge that and this is rare because I typically attract really qualified leads but every once in a while I get someone who's blaming the world right and it's like, oh well compliant or oh I had this one woman say that really, what's your challenge She said, oh capital, like I don't have enough capital you know and that's like that's that's not it like it's not about resources it's about resourcefulness you know and it's like oh what right. else? what other challenges? Oh I don't know what my competitors are charging like, When I find clients like that, I'm like, I can't, I can't help you. Like, it's just an excuse. Like, but if we look and say, hey, you're a financial advisor. Yes, there are these rules. You can either stay in the industry or you can leave the industry. And one of my clients did, Lisa, actually, she was in the industry. And she heard that I was doing money coaching and that I was successful at it. And then she Actually, like from one call, she decided like, you know what, I really want to work on beliefs and behaviors. I really want to work with coaching. I don't really want to do the investment. Within a week, I think it was like three days, she told her boss she was leaving. She also hadn't made money in three years. So she was very motivated to do her own yeah. thing and make money. But she left, became a money coach, started a whole new business. This is someone who was making 300 a month in her business, like literally out of pocket more money than was coming in for three years. She exhausted her 401K, her retirement account of $100,000, uh-huh. hired me anyway, and then she's now made over hundred grand in the last 10 months. You know, it's like those are people that will do whatever it takes. I talked about her in my book. And she'll do whatever it takes to make it happen, but she didn't have the right mentor, and but she didn't fall into the trap of, of oh, no, it, it, it's happening to me, and I can't make this work because of compliance. Like, she found a way out. So, you know what, like, and I have a lot of financial advisors who stay in, and they just have the rules, and they figure out a way around the rules, you know, and it's like they do what they do. Yeah. So, I feel like it's so important to be a, a business owner. Like you said, business creator. That means you create your destiny. You create your life. You create your financial income, your financial wealth, like that's all on you. And if you can be at cause and be um, proactive about it, there's there's nothing. Like you don't need marketing dollars. You don't need that stuff. What you need is to have the right systems. You need to know what to do specifically so that you can get those results. It kind of got me excited about that, but I have to say it.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. And, and, let me, and let me say this for the financial advisors who tune in every week. Um, I have found that some of the most passionate business creators – that I've encountered are the financial advisors, uh, the ones who are really successful. Uh, and what drives them is a passion because they themselves understand the freedom that comes from having money. Uh, they've they've created this lifestyle for themselves where they have prosperity. They've taken care of their own family, themselves, their loved ones in the next generation, and they've had the joy and the honor of doing that for so many other people and so many other families. And that's what keeps them rolling. So when you have all this compliance nonsense Uh, they get excited about well I'll just get my customers in other ways or I'll find a I'll find a way around the box and I found that some of the most successful ones out there have managed to do this Uh, and part of it is they just I'll reveal one piece of the of the puzzle that I've discovered is they just don't play the game so uh, they want to have some pencil neck and compliance argue with them over whether the Oxford comma is appropriate and threaten to make them shut down all their websites. If they don't do or don't use the Oxford combo, they say, well, screw that. I won't tweet. I'll do something else. Something, something, something they can't touch yes. me on. And that's how they do you it. You find
1: a way. So no matter what, you exactly. find
0: a way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I tell the stories not from a, really from a place of bitterness, but just from a place of how how hilariously stupid it is. And I, and I get it because we want to protect the consumer. We want to make sure that people are not being given false or misleading advice when they're trying to make decisions that have to do with their money, because people get funny about their money. So I agree on the importance of protecting the consumer, protecting the investor. But for goodness' sake, sometimes the stuff—I uh, mean—it it beca- could become like a hundred and one fails. If you—if you—if I wanted to write a book about that, and maybe I will. But for now, I want to ask you a question. Uh, we said. Earlier that you went from making five hundred dollars a year in your coaching business, that must have been worth about a dinner for a family of eight, to five hundred thousand dollars a year in just two years. This is what we're dying to know, Robin. How'd you do it?
1: Okay, great question. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's dying to know. So yeah, so let me tell you first how I was masterful at going to make almost nothing because this is important because. You know, there is a part of you that might sabotage your success, and it wasn't actually that I went from zero to 500 a year. I actually had gotten to the six-figure mark, which was a huge feat for me, like, to uh, finally conquer and, and acquire, you know, accomplish. And living in the Bay Area, like, as you can probably guess, in California, like, even making six figures wasn't the end-all, be-all. Like, I was still, like, it's barely getting by over there, you know? So, but I hit six figures, and you thought, oh, my God, I made it, Right? Uh, and I did the right things to get there, and then the, the real problem was that I got distracted. I started to chase shiny pennies, if you've heard that expression, or the whole squirrel, you know, thing, yep. is that I started to, like, get distracted, and then I didn't do the right thing. So this is important to know because many people get to a point, even whether you've gotten there or not, but the question is, are you doing the right things to get to where you want to be? And sometimes it's just doing the wrong things that, that pull you back. And sometimes it's that you just can't move forward because you're not doing it. And one of the things I wasn't doing, number one, I got scarcity-minded. I actually have these money types. Um, there are five money types. It's in my first book called Mind Over Money Management. But I'm a, I'm a cheap chip at heart. A cheap chip. Cheap chips don't like to spend a lot of money. They like to hoard money. They like to save. They typically are scarcity-minded. And they make slow decisions. They research everything. They want the best bang for their buck, best value. Anyway, I got really scarcity minded. I actually had a coach who got me, helped me get to the hundred thousand dollar mark. And then I started like I had some months I wasn't making money because I got distracted and I was doing another business. I actually nothing bad about network marketing, but I got I went into a network marketing business and did not make money. I spent a lot of money. It didn't work for me, and like spent money on travel, spent money on trying to make it work. And I fired my coach, not in a way to be mean, but I just was like, oh, I don't need you now because I have my upline or something. And I, this, right. then I wasn't doing any money-making activities for my coaching business or financial planning stuff, and I wasn't getting new clients. And it was like I actually was already really good at what I did. Like I was providing a ton of value. People paid me a lot of money to help them transform their lives, and the distraction alone and the, 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 the stopping of money-making activities and letting go of my coach um, and not, like, just staying committed to that actually brought me to, to 500 in my in my coaching business. I, I say my coaching business, I want to clarify this because I don't, I don't want to be too sensationalized here, is that I did still have some financial planning income because I got clients before, so I had a little bit of income there. And then what my husband and I did, because he also had a bad year, is we, we thought, oh, we can't, you know, we can't just not make money, so we started renting out our house on Airbnb. And I was actually talking to someone today who's a financial advisor. She's really struggling. And she was saying how she started taking on other jobs, social media jobs, and she's taking on – she has student loans. She went to back to school so she would get money for student loans. So all these things are happening. Like, And now she can't grow her financial planning business because she's so distracted by all the other things, but she thinks she has to do the other things in order to make ends meet. So just be careful because, you know, and now she doesn't have time, you know, and she'll probably end up joining my my, my program and, like, everything will shift. But for right now, like – this is what happened to me that I think is really important for you to hear because distraction is the enemy of wealth. Like, if you get distracted, if you stop being focused, then you lose all ability to really scale and grow your business. It's focus. Focus is where, you know, where focus goes, energy flows. Where focus goes, money flows, right? So I think it's really important to recognize. And then what I did to get back is that, one, I mean, I realized that, like, I needed that mentor, baby. Like, I needed a mentor. Yeah. I needed those shortcuts. I could not trust myself to actually do this correctly. So, it really, I have these three M's that I teach. One is mentor, the second one is mindset, and the third is message for messaging. And that's what I did to get back. And I'll tell you briefly, if you want me to go deeper, I can. But when I got the right mentor, I already had the right mentor, I messed up and and got rid of them for a little bit because I was in scarcity and didn't want to spend the money. It was really like the best investment I ever made, and I still went into scarcity. Hired him back even yeah. though I had to put more money on my credit card. Then he helped uh-huh. me get the right mindset in place. So I got my mindset in place, and he helped me do that. And there's something I called the belief loan phenomenon of what I did in order to get that in check. And the third thing was messaging, which has everything to do with how you attract qualified leads. And I got clear on my market, my target market, clear on how to message to market that message to them and started killing it in my business. And that's how I got to, you know, breaking the half a million dollar market two years later.
0: You know, uh, I'd like to raise a point about that. Uh, You know, most of us have coaches. Most of us have mentors. I have a couple coaches of myself, of my own that I've been with for a long, long time. And Some of the best advice I was ever given is if at first you don't succeed, do what your coach told you to do the first time. And Mm -hmm. 98% of the time, that is absolutely right. What you do need to check in on every once in a while is just to make sure that the advice you're being given is what truly serves the intersection of your brilliance and passion in a way that you're going to want to move forward. Uh, let Let me give you an example, and this is not from myself, but this is from... Uh, a colleague of mine, uh, this colleague uh she belonged to a coaching and mastermind program, and she had um, what she called a heart censored coaching business where her passion was she wanted to work hands on with a small group of entrepreneurs and uh and really help them uh have a business for themselves that they can view as heart censored that uh, comes directly from Um, The essence of their being. I I don't remember the exact language, but you get the general idea. And so she came to her um, she came to her group, and she didn't even she had explained basically what I said. She didn't even get a chance to ask her actual question for the group, and they pounced on her like, well, no, no, what you need to do is quadruple your rates right now, and you need to hire three coaches who are going to handle all of your clients except for two. And if you don't do this within 30 minutes, you're yellow, and we, uh, and we disown you. It's like, what? What? And I may be slightly exaggerating the response to it, but basically the feeling that she came from with that, I, I was a little melodramatic and a little expansive on how, describing what actually happened. But you think about that. You come to this group that you are putting your trust and faith in, and they tell you that, uh, well – Basically, F your feelings. Uh, You need to raise your rates and outsource all your work. What if that doesn't work for you? So you need to find a balance between what it is you're looking to accomplish. I mean, uh, I have a business right now that, and again, this goes against every supposed entrepreneurial teaching thing in the world, that requires my personal involvement. And I love doing that piece of my business. So I decided that, you know what? what I really need to do is I need to develop other streams of income so that if something happened that I couldn't participate, I'd have this other income. Now, is that is that a reasonable solution?
1: Yeah. You're asking me? I was so into your story. You. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Well, here's, here's my thing, Adam, is that I, I think the reason you go into business is Because you love what you do, I don't think you should be doing a business that you don't love. Like, I think that sucks. Like, why would you want the freedom and flexibility to be able to create whatever you want and then create something you don't want? Like, I believe you can create whatever you want. And, I mean, my husband and I, we say all the time, ideal business, ideal life. When you have an ideal business, you have your ideal life. And in order to have an ideal business, you also need to be working with ideal clients. Because if you're working with people who drain your energy and take away from you, then you can't possibly love what you do. But you get to build however you want to do it. I mean, it wouldn't mean much to me if I had my fem mentorship. That's the six-month program I have. It stands for Female Empowered Moneymakers. That's my six-month program. Right now, I mean, I only have 14 women in there because I really want to give them the experience. I really want them to get the implementation that they need to get the attention from me to get the result. I don't know why I always do it that way. I'll probably scale it more at some stage. But right now, I love it. Like, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's what I live for. So, like, if I took that out, like, that's what fulfills me. That's what gets me excited. That's what I I just enjoy. So if I took that out and outsourced it, like, I could probably, maybe they can get the same results if I did that. But I think it would be, you know, it would kind of be watered down a bit, diluted. But I think, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to give that up because that's what I love to do. So I think it's really the question is not, there's not one way. There's systems that work that will help you shortcut your business that have been tested by people like mentors, right? Who have gotten those results? Who you can just you can model, you can copy it because it's already worked. Like that's the the beauty of a mentor: having those systems, having those shortcuts, being able to not have to make the mistakes because they already did the made the mistakes for you. Like that's why it's right. so valuable. But you get to build whatever business you want to create. Just make sure, like the thing that doesn't work is if you say I want X, whatever that is. And then um, let's say your mentor, like I might say to you, well, in order to get that, you're going to need to do why, like all these things to do that. Um, and they're, they're not willing to do what it takes, you know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be only one way, but if it's like, right. you know, you want to have 10 clients and we look at your numbers and the way you're marketing right now, you know, you're only getting like every, you're only getting, let's say you're getting 20 leads and you need to close all like 10 out of 20, that's 50%. And you're saying, well, I'm not going to use the sales process, then I can't guarantee you're going to be able to close 10 out of 20. You have to have a way to do it, a system to do it. But if you've been closing 5 out of 10, you know, it's, it's, it'll work. Like, so we look at, we measure it, we look at what's worked and what hasn't for you, customized to you to see how to tweak it. Um, but that's why I have an implementation program, not an information program. Because it's about implementing. It's about you yeah. testing and tweaking and coming back to me and telling me what didn't work. And then I, I don't know until I know what you tested to know what to tell you to do next, you know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, two years ago, uh, I wanted to raise some capital for my business because I wanted to do something. So the advice that was given to me is uh, basically to temporarily go back to something that I used to do 10 years ago that I absolutely hated. And the point that was made to me is, well, yeah, and, and while you're doing it and hating it, just think about how you're going to have all this money. And I, my immediate response to that was, you know, I've taken this piece of advice twice before, and mm-hmm. that's like 90% of the regret I have in business and life is having listened to that advice the first two times. So, yeah. on, uh, so prima facie, on, on the face of it, I rejected the whole thing. Now when I thought about it some more, what I recognized is this was the coach saying in order to achieve yet yeah, X, it's you need to do Y. But where the conversation still needed to progress was, we need a different definition for what Y is. Yeah. and Y does not have to be go back fits all. Yeah yeah Y does not have to be go back to doing this thing that you hated doing 10 years ago that you're glad you not have to do anymore that you had no passion for and never even really wanted to do just because somebody might be willing to pay you for it now so that it can take up all your time all your energy all your passion all your motivation all your sleep and then in the meantime you don't even hit your goal because you're chasing your own tail no thank you but I came up with another why well, and my why worked
1: yeah you gotta it yeah. I mean look you have a mentor to guide you, but you still gotta you gotta you're you're the one that drives the bus. Like you're the one that drives the bus. Right. Like it's not like they can make suggestions. But you have to I mean here's the thing. You gotta have a mentor. My my mentor test is you have to have someone who's already gotten the results that you want. Or how are they supposed to get you those results? And they have to have gotten <clears throat> excuse me, other people like you who have similar problems and want similar results, the same the results because so many times you have mentors who Maybe they've gotten the result, but they haven't gotten other people the result. I have people come to my program all right. the time who did other programs, and they're like, yeah, you know, she's really successful. She's a really successful coach, but all the people in her program aren't making money. I'm like, that's why mine's female-empowered money makers. Like, I'm not going to stand for that. Like, people need to make money if they're going to invest in my program, you know? Um, and then the mindset, yeah, right. the mindset piece um, is huge. That will shift if you have the right mentor. And then I just want to touch on this messaging because this is what we're here to talk about. But the messaging, like, goes to, and this is how you attract qualified leads, you know, even without marketing dollars, is that you must know who you're talking to, and um, you must have an ideal client. And, I I mean, now, you might say, Adam, because you're like, well, maybe a mentor will say that, and I'll say, you know what, now I want to do it my way and have five ideal clients. And so, you know, take my words with a grain of salt, but if you're asking me what works for me and what works for my clients, I'll tell you that when you market to when you're marketing your message to one person, you're totally crystal clear on that ideal client and you're obsessed with their problems and you know the results that you provide them and you can communicate that well, you can attract those leads. I can get more into that, but that's, that's so crucial in order to, for people to hear you above all the noise because there's so much noise out there with social media and everything. Everyone's inundated all the time.
0: Very true. So What do you think, Robin, is the number one thing that our listeners must know to attract qualified leads?
1: So that's absolutely marketing your message to that one person, and I say one person, I'll right. give you an example. Since we mentioned financial advisors, I'll give you a good example for that. And and um, and doesn't have to – I know I talked about financial advisors, but it doesn't have to be this way, but it's just a good example. But I have one client who I said, who are you targeting? Actually, there were a couple, um, Jen and Eric, and I said, who are you targeting? And they actually knew their ideal demographic, okay? Now, there's a really big difference between ideal demographic an ideal client or target market, okay? Because ideal demographic means that you can tell someone, send these postcards to people in this zip code, between with this age, who make this amount of income, who so have this high, this net worth or whatever. Like there's certain things you can you can tell them to that they can find, right? As far as the demographic, so they marketed this um, this material um, to this 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 demographic basically with a the postcard. They sent five thousand dollars. And they were trying to drive people into um, a presentation, basically. And we got zero people to sign up, zero. Now, they were in a new town. They didn't know a lot of people. didn't have a lot of low-hanging fruit as far as, like, you know, they had a huge network or anything. So they didn't have that. And then what we did is I said, well, who are you targeting? Like, who's the one person? Because at first they said, well, we're targeting people nearing retirement or retirees and, you know, couples. And I said, well, no, no, no. That's. That can't be one person. No one person in this world is nearing retirement and retired at the same time. I said, So who are you targeting? And they said, Okay, well, I guess then if we had to choose, it's nearing retirement, let's just say. I said, Okay, are you talking to the man or the woman? And it doesn't always have to be distinguished this way between gender, but in this case, like they're, they're, um, Postcard. It was clearly like the image, it was called Paint Your Picture Perfect Retirement. The image that they had was like a woman with gray hair painting this picture, a guy behind her with gray hair who was supporting her. And I'm like, who do you really think this picture targets? It was totally targeting the woman. Like I got my supportive husband behind me and I'm painting my picture perfect retirement, you know. And so we talked about that. And then I said, okay, now what are their deep problems? And they took all this, you know, the copy they had before was, like, so generic. Reduce portfolio risk. Lower taxes. You know, allocate your whatever. Make it, you know, out, don't outlive your assets. or All the generic stuff you hear. And even though this was, like, financial, you know, um, mumbo jumbo, you guys know what I'm talking about. You hear the same stuff out there with marketing sometimes. It doesn't speak to you. Because it just sounds like noise. Everybody's saying it, right? So then they got really clear, and they were like, are you at all concerned about being a burden on your family? Are you at all concerned about um, running out of money and, like, having to rely on your kids? Like, are you at all concerned about And then they went off on these bullets that I helped them come up with because they finally had a vision in their, in their mind of who this person was and what the challenge he would have, because in this case it was a man. And, like, he wanted to provide for his wife and make sure she's taken care of, and we delved into – Like his psyche, what real challenges are, what's going to keep him up at night, what he's going to complain about, you know, what's going to drive him to want to be, like to actually step outside his home, get offline. I mean, maybe not so much seniors, but still, people are online all the time. They don't have to leave their home anymore to get them out of their house to come to an event. It has to hit the pain. It has to hit the pleasure. You have to be talking to that one person so they hear you. So in order to attract these qualified leads, you must market your message effectively. And you have to be saying the things that maybe you don't even think you should be saying that could be hurtful. Because the only thing that really drives people, the number one thing that drives people is pain, not pleasure. They're not going for opportunity. People will, like, you know, do so, you know, do something to get the opportunity, but it's very rare that that's what's going to drive them. 99% of people, and of course I'm making up statistics, are motivated by the pain or the to avoid the pain more than they are to get the opportunity or to get the pleasure.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, and I think that's a really great synopsis. So what are some key points that our listeners can remember or should, or should remember to target their ideal client effectively?
1: Okay, so one I would say, this, this seems obvious, but it's actually really hard for people, is to just choose, to just choose, okay? To pick an ideal client, because, um, and, and you can't be broad about it, you got to be specific. Even yesterday I was talking to a woman and uh, an entrepreneur, and she was saying how she wants to target, um, you know, uh, people in the healing arts, you know? And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And I'm into healing and stuff, but I still didn't know what she was talking about specifically, you know? And she said, well... Like chiropractors, massage therapists, um, Reiki practitioners—you know those sort of things—and I was like, okay, we'll pick one because they—they all have different problems. You can't target a Reiki practitioner like the same way you would target a chiropractor. Okay, so one's got to be right. specific, and two, you just have to pick. Now, people are afraid of choosing because they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to—they don't want to plant their flag, and then all of a sudden, people see them as the person who helps chiropractors. You know. But you must, you must do it, but, but think of it as a test, okay? I think of it as a test because when people freak out, they think like, oh, my God, if I'm going to target chiropractors forever, now I'm a chiropractor, you know, uh, genius or something that, like, it's too much for people to commit to. So if you're not there yet, you don't know who you really want to target, think of it as a test and think of it as target marketing, now, I say that because sometimes I teach this, like, how to target your marketing, and then I'll say, you know, so so I say, so who are you targeting? Let's say they say female entrepreneurs, service-based female entrepreneurs like me, right? And I say, okay, great. So if a guy comes up to you, and he's an entrepreneur, and you can help him, and you think, you know, let's say you're still doing one-on-one, um, and he says, can you help me? What do you say? And they say, no. And I'm like, no, you don't say no, you say yes, you can help them. Your target marketing is to target them. It makes you an expert immediately. It allows people to, like, see you as, like, more credible. It attracts people into your world so people can see that you're speaking to them. But if someone comes up to you and you want to work with them and they're not in your target market and you want to work with them, you say yes. You say yes, because I'm talking about targeting, right? So, and it's amazing. What I was going to say before is when I went and did that college um, college talk that really kind of jump-started my initial financial planning business, I was in that room with all these parents, right? And when I sat down with 10 of them, I understood their real problems. The service problems that they didn't know what vehicle to invest in 529 that account whatever. But the real problems were that they weren't getting along with their spouse. The real problems that were they weren't on the same page. The real problems were that they felt guilty that they made a lot of money but they were still in debt. The real problems were that they were being a bad example on their children even though, you know, they were going to be paying for college, but they weren't giving, like, leaving an imprint on their kids to teach them the right way to have a strong financial future, right? And I understood these real problems and started to market that message, right? So now I became the expert. I became the expert to them because I could solve their problems, and now I had something I created called Money Parenting, which is how to raise financially responsible kids by leading by example. Once I niched right. that and I had a, I had a, I started doing all these talks, I had this guy in the room this one day I'm, I'm niching to parents with young kids. They're usually in their late thirties, you know, up to their late forties. And there's this guy in there. And after he comes up to me and he says, Robin, can you help me? He was in his sixties. He was already retired. He wanted he had no kids, but he came to my talk. I don't know why, but he came to my talk and said, can you help me? He ended up being a million dollar client. I mean, he had a million dollar asset. So I made over $10,000 a year on this guy, um, you know, helping him manage his money. So it's, Still, because I became the expert, because I was different and unique, I attracted even him into my world. Now, I don't typically work with men at this stage, but, like, um, but a lot of my clients, even when they target their marketing, they still work with people, like, outside of that marketing. It's just you have to pick. you got to get obsessed, obsessed with the real problem, and then you got to be able to market that message to one person to attract them into your world.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's really good. And what I find is interesting is uh, you're doing, a, if I heard correctly, like a seminar for uh, people who want to, uh, you know, save money and build wealth for their families. And this guy shows up, he doesn't even have kids, but he wants to learn.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Because why, why would he show up? Because I was doing something different. I wasn't just doing something like everybody else. I was solving a problem. Now. I'm not saying that this happens all the time, like, oh, go target your marketing and you'll attract all these people outside of your target. I mean, ideally you target your marketing to people who you really love to work with, so you want more of those clients. But my point is because people have so much fear around picking their target market and they're so afraid that they're going to pigeonhole themselves and they're afraid that they're actually going to have to now say no to more people because now they're targeting their marketing. It's targeted marketing. Marketing means you're attracting more people into your world. So it actually doesn't close you off. Instead, you get more people into your world because you automatically become the expert, because you automatically have more authority and credibility. So I'm mostly telling you this because of the fear that people have. This is why people don't choose. Like, it's not like you've never heard this. It's like, oh, Robin, this is so innovative. Wow, I've never heard of target marketing. Oh, market to one person? Wow, I've never heard of that. I mean, come on. It's not that innovative. It's just most people, and I would, again, make up a new statistic. I love making these statistics. that Most of them are made up anyway. I would say 90% of the people who even try to target market aren't going deep enough. So it doesn't work. You know, they're actually still on surface problems, or they're on the ideal demographic instead of the ideal target client, and so they're not getting to those deep problems. The key is that you know this person, like it was you. And oftentimes my clients choose a target market. It's someone who is exactly like they are or they were. And typically it's how they were because now they've overcome it and they know how to teach it or get you past it, right? But if you pick a target market, like I was a struggling female entrepreneur. In fact, my micro niche of financial advisors, I was a struggling female financial advisor. That's why I'm so good at helping them, right? And I know right. their problems like they're my own because I experienced it and now I can communicate it. You know, and a lot of my copy, I mean, people tell me when they get on the phone, oh, that's so resonated. like I know what you're talking about you know, it's being this male dominated industry and feel like, you know what I mean? Like that there's, it's only a male way to attract clients. You know what I mean? So it's like there, they resonate with those messages because I get it. And if you don't, if you choose a target market, it's not someone like you or that you've experienced. You need to interview people like them. You need to go deep to understand exactly what is keeping them up at night and be able to market that message. And I swear to you, this is what we're claiming here with this talk, Adam and I. And I, I'm not joking about this, but if you do that and your message is strong, you can test that without any marketing dollars and start getting clients and start making money. And I, have, I can tell you story after story after story of people who did this, but it had to do with that messaging to the ideal client. And then even without marketing dollars, starting to attract, I mean, sometimes 15 leads in a week, right, and be able to close those clients into paid clients. And if you do that enough and you know the marketing works, you've tested it, then you can start adding more marketing dollars to it and start scaling. But you can actually test it. And I usually tell people, do not invest even a dollar into marketing until you know your ideal client and you've tested your message and it works.
0: Right. Uh, So why don't you tell us a few of those stories, like give us some examples of uh, people in your mentorship program who use these strategies so people can see how this all comes together.
1: Cool. So one of the clients um, I have uh, is Bree, and she actually – she was in the financial industry, but now she's doing more, uh, like, kind of outside-the-box stuff, more online marketing with – she was helping people get out student loans, um, and it was amazing what she did um, as far as, like, some people who, you know, they wanted – like, she would help people get a loan forgiveness of, like, $300,000. At first, she was charging, like, 350 bucks for it. I was like, no, girl. So we raised her prices. Did all that. She provided way more value and more transformation work but anyway, she, she was already on Facebook because she just liked it. You know, she was posting things on Facebook, but it was more like blanketed advice, like a typical financial advisor would post. Um, but she was really cute about it. So people liked her, you know, and they definitely, like, liked her posts and whatnot. But then she got super clear about her target market and who she was driving, you know, who she was driving to into her world. And she started, it literally started with posts posts on Facebook, and then she made some videos, and she starts by targeting the problem. Oftentimes, you hit one problem, one deep problem, and then you, you suggest the solution. You can do a video like this and have, like, a story backing that up, and then from there, like, you have a call to action. And a call to action, in her case, I typically have my clients do this because they mostly do high-ticket stuff, but to just drive them to a free call. We call it a discovery call. And she did that, and I mean, I mean, she had also obviously worked on her packaging and increased her prices and make it more transformational for the client as well. And she made more money, but she was—I mean, she was getting into—I don't know the exact numbers, but she was driving appointments into her world, not spending any marketing dollars at first. Now, in the first month we worked together, before we started working together, she was basically making about four to forty-five hundred, four thousand to forty-five hundred a month. By the I think within the first 30 days, she had almost doubled her income. By the, the second month, she had almost tripled her income. And now she's, like, just, you know, around 20000 a month. And that was, like, I think, you know, 10, 11 months ago, she was in the same program the other woman was in. But, um, I mean, it's amazing. And then she actually did start investing in marketing. So she didn't have to, but she wanted to scale it faster. But the first few months, I mean, she was just getting qualified leads, into our world because of the messaging
0: right yeah and uh, and you know and I think we're gathering through all of this um, if we want to be successful attracting qualified leads without marketing dollars here's what I'm gathering just from listening to you for the past 50 or so minutes here um, I'm gathering a couple themes number one you need to be tuned into the human condition number two you need to understand who you are having the conversation with in your marketing, so that you are using the right phraseology and you're reaching who this person is. So you need to identify a niche and stick with that niche without trying to please everybody. The third thing I'm gathering is it's sort of like a rolling stone. Um, as it rolls down the hill, it gathers moss. Or if we want to use a um, if we want to use a different analogy, the snowball. As the snowball rolls down the hill, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So What we're trading in is, uh, you know, just like you can use money to buy speed, where, like, when you put money into something, you can make things happen faster. Without money, when you're taking money, as in marketing money, out of the equation, things may roll a little bit slower. But once that snowball gets some size and some inertia going behind it, or that big rolling stone that's uh, that's, uh, all gathered up and it's rushing down the hill, uh, you're basically going to have a freight train running that's going to be unstoppable. It's just going to take some time to get the steam built up to get it there.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I always say when the, the – the you have to do money-making activities, right? And if when the money-making activities stop, the money-making stops. So you got to do the money-making activities, and you can ask yourself, well, if I'm not spending marketing dollars, what are those money-making activities? People try to complicate this, but there are not that many. <laughs> you know, you can basically do – any social media posts or engagement or groups and that sort of thing, um, articles, blogs, you know, that sort of um, type of social media. But here's another example. Another woman, she, um, she had a blog, and when she came to me, I think she had like 300 people a week, maybe 600 people a week come, you know, it's like unique visitors to her blog. And then once we got targeted and clear on our ideal client, it was about six months later that she hit 11,000 in a week. What did she do differently? She didn't spend any marketing dollars. She just started this is a snowball effect that like you just said. I mean, she started like she or she started talking to her ideal client, to one person who and she knew the problems and then each week she'd have a new blog that hit a new problem or she'd use stories and people started telling people and it started to explode. You know, it's not millions now. She didn't put any money behind it, but she had like clarity about her ideal client and it started to resonate and it started to grow. You know, so um, I have another client who she started working with people um, who experienced loss because she had an incredible story, very sad. Actually, she had her book come out yesterday. Not only did she start working with me, then she started working with my husband who helps people become number one best-selling authors and uh, used it as their most powerful marketing tool. So she just released a book called The Legacy of Love, and she targets people who have experienced grief and loss, and she actually is a financial planner and helps them. But at first, she, I mean, she didn't do any online marketing. She made calls. She did some – what I call an exclusive event. She invited people to an event that are specific in her target marketing, and she went networking. That's it. Like, she didn't even do talks. And she got – like, but she started to talk and converse about this ideal client with total conviction and clarity about their problems and the results – and she got a $5 million account within like the first month or two of us working together, $5 million. That's like $75,000 a year to the financial advisor in revenue. You know, and over the time now she has $10 million And, like, so she's, like, increased her income by 200 grand. She has not spent a dollar on marketing. Like, it's crazy. It's her messaging. And she started to become that expert. Now someone, like, if they experience that loss, who do they go to? They go to the expert. Why would you go to someone who's not an expert in that area? Not only did she experience loss herself, and it's so sad, and she talks about this in her book, but she lost three children. Like, she had this powerful story she wasn't telling anyone about because she was so, like, it was so hard for her to deal with. But when she realized it was her most powerful, uh, you know, story and vulnerability to be able to share this and use it to help people and transform lives, the story alone got her more clients because she was targeting her client, her ideal client. So, I mean, I can sit here all day and tell you stories. I know we don't have much time. But you got to believe me, if you're listening here, how important this is. Like, to me, this is everything. And this is how, ultimately, I said the third thing, third M, was messaging. When I knew my, my target market was female service-based entrepreneurs, I understood their problems and marketed that. You know, I had my first $45,000 a day at an yeah. event, you know. And then, like, since then, I've had $178,000 a month because I know who they are and right. know how to get them there. And attract them. And now I, I do pay for marketing. So just so you know, we want to scale it to that point, you're going to need to pay for marketing. But I mean, it, it definitely can start before it should start before you spend money on marketing, because you, you shouldn't spend money until you know your message works.
0: Right, right, right. Very good. So we're actually right near the top of the hour, we have about uh, four minutes left. And I'd like to give one or two of those minutes. Uh, you told me in the green room, you have something for us.
1: I do. I want to give you a gift. Yeah, I want to give you my book. I mean, some people give the first chapter of the book or part of it. I I just want you to have it. Now, some of you might be men listening. It is geared towards, it better be geared towards a target market or I'm really speaking BS here, but it's called Make More Money, Help More People. And it's the subtitle is A Female Entrepreneur's Guide to Attract Ideal Clients, Close More Sales, and Increase Your Revenue. So it is geared towards female entrepreneurs, service-based professionals who ultimately, you know, they want to sell a high-ticket offer. Um, and I will tell you that it's extremely valuable even if you're not there. So um, just know that it's geared towards them. And I'm talking to a woman. So if you're reading it you're a dude, you might be like, I might be saying, if you're a woman or you as a woman, you know, you would be like, uh, okay, I'll go to my feminine side. Um, but, yeah, it is it is amazing. I'm very proud of it. I, I, I hate to say amazing about my own book, but I am extremely proud of it. It's um, You can go to robincrane.com forward slash free book, and it's all yours. You can download the entire thing, and you'll get the bonuses as well, which do come with a couple audio chapters and lots of like a webinar and things like that. It's R-O-B-Y-N dot com forward slash free book and get um, yeah, it filled with a ton of stories of transformation. So it's an easy read and fun read and will help you totally move forward in your business to help more people and make a, uh, you know, make a bigger impact and also grow your revenue, which is, you know, very important for you to do as well.
0: All right. So that's uh RobinCrane.com forward slash free book. Uh, I may have to head over there myself and grab me a copy. So, um, what is, well, What final thoughts do you have for our listeners as we uh, as we wrap up here and we uh, move on to the next phase?
1: Yeah, let me give you one more thing, and this is quoted in my book as well. Yep, is we got that about one everything minute, so you, you want? yeah, I I can do this. Everything you want, everything you want that you don't already have lies outside your comfort zone. Otherwise, you'd already have it. So the, the women who I talk about in my book that are extremely successful, who completely transformed their lives, it's because they're willing to step outside their comfort zone. And and that is, I talk about how you have to be stretchy. It's like a rubber band. you got to be stretchy. And if you're willing to do that, you absolutely can have everything you want. And the rest of it's in the book. So go get it, enjoy it, and thank you so much for for having me on this awesome show.
0: You bet. You bet. Uh, Robin, thank you so much for joining us today. i got to tell you, it's been an honor and it's been an education.
1: You are so welcome. Thank you, Adam.
0: You bet. Uh, For everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.